Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Take your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been doing a series of studies on true biblical discipleship. I think it's important. I don't know that the church understands this whole topic of discipleship and what it really means to be a disciple. And so we've been talking about that over the last couple of weeks, Matthew chapter 10. And let me read you a quote that I think uh, summarizes this whole subject of True discipleship and the characteristics of true discipleship. Listen, John Wesley, he was a preacher. I like all the old preachers. You know, John Wesley was a preacher in the 1700s. And, uh, and he said this, and I, I love this quote. He said, I want the whole of Christ for my Savior, the whole Bible for my book, the whole church for my fellowship, and the whole world for my mission field. I like that because I think it summarizes what we're talking about in terms of this, these characteristics of discipleship. I want the whole of Christ, and Christ wants the whole of you. This is the area of discipleship that, that we as the church, I think we miss it. Discipleship, again, is different than sonship. We're not talking about sonship because sonship means that you are born again Christian and you have come into the family of God and now you're a son and you're a daughter and God is the father and we're his kids. we're, We're born again and we're his kids. You know, I hear people talking a lot about we're all God's children. Well, the Bible does not teach we're all God's children. Did you know that? The Bible says that we are all God's creation. But in order for you to be a child of God, you must be born again of God into the family of God, become a son or daughter of God, and now you're a child of God. So we're not talking about sonship. If you're a Christian, then you're in the family of God. But once you become a Christian, and this is where the church is really missing it, once you become a Christian, now you need to become a disciple Now you need to follow the Lord. Now you need to grow. And that's why we teach the Bible here at Calvary Chapel, by the way, because we believe that it is the word of God that's going to grow us up. You know, we got to get past that point of preaching. I remember for years I went to a church. They preached every Sunday, salvation every Sunday. I didn't understand, so I was getting saved every Sunday. I got saved every Sunday for five years. I mean, I know I'm more saved than y'all. I know I am because I got saved every Sunday because they were preaching the Bible every Sunday. It was like, get saved, get saved, get saved, get saved, get saved, get saved. 
I was like, okay, I'll get saved. 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 I I wasn't growing. I wasn't a disciple. So discipleship has nothing to do with sonship because you're already a son. Now you go on to grow in this aspect of discipleship. Not a casual commitment. Discipleship is not a casual commitment. It's not a passive call. True discipleship is not fitting a little Jesus into your life. Not a half hour of worship on Sunday and a half hour of teaching and go home and now I'm a disciple. No. You know, it makes me think of that song, you are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all and all. And see, I think that speaks of discipleship. You are my all and all. God, everything belongs to you. So you got to understand something. When you become a Christian and you become a disciple, now God owns you. You no longer have rights. Well, I got a right to this and I got a right to that. No, you don't. No, you don't. He is your all in all. You give him every part of your life. Don't hold on to anything. You know, we like to hold on to just a little eeny teeny beeny bit of who I am. Nope. When you become a disciple, God, you are my all and all. You give him everything. In the Greek language, what does all mean? All, you guessed it. (laughs) All means all and that's all, all means. And so you give him your all. Everything, all your relationships, you know, the things that you're involved in that you shouldn't be involved in. You get rid of all of that and you give him your all. All your bad business practices and all your, you know, tax season, amen, amen, tax season. No, you give him your all. Everything. That's true discipleship. That's what we've been talking about. Got a pen? Here's some characteristics of discipleship. Let me just kind of review real quickly and then we'll move forward. But I want to kind of bring you up to where we are. This is our third study in talking about these characteristics of true discipleship. And number one, we talked about a characteristic of a true disciple is number one, you have a desire to be used by God. You've got a desire to be used by God. You are willing to proxy your plans for God's plans. You're willing to switch and to substitute and to swap out your plans your desires for his desires. We saw that as we looked at the disciples in chapter 10, and they most certainly were willing to proxy their plans for his plans because Jesus showed up and said, Peter, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. No longer are you going to fish for fish, but you're going to become a fisher of men. Matthew, you're, you are a tax collector, but now you're going to collect souls for the kingdom. So if you're going to be a true disciple, characteristics number one of a true disciple is that you have to have a desire to be used of God. Number two, uh, number two, true disciples, true disciples, we've talked about these, don't trust in their own ability. They trust in the Holy Spirit. Amen, saints? Not by might, you know that verse? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So you don't trust in your own ability. If you're going to be a true disciple, you got to depend on God. You see, without him, you can do nothing. With Christ, I can do all things through Christ because he strengthens me. So if you're going to be a true disciple, you've got to lean on him and don't trust in your own ability. And thirdly, true disciples understand their primary audience. 
who they should go to, and who they should preach to. And then number four, true disciples preach the kingdom of heaven. They preach the kingdom of heaven. And then number five, true disciples receive Jesus' power. Number six, obviously, true disciples make disciples. Matthew 28 tells us Jesus is going to all the world and make disciples. And then lastly, we talked about last week, number seven, they trust in the promise of his provision. They trust in the promise of his provision. Lord, you will provide for us. This morning, we pick up our study, the characteristics of true disciple, Matthew chapter 10. And let's pick up this morning in verse 11. If you're there, say amen. Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 11. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Now, whatever in verse 11 city or town you enter, Inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. And if the household is worthy, what does that mean? I'll tell you in a minute. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable. Verse 15 is a fascinating verse, saints. It will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Jesus is giving his disciples their marching orders. Remember in chapter 9, he told them to pray for the harvest. In chapter 10, He sends them out into the harvest. So the ones that are praying are the ones that get sent. And so he's giving them their marching orders as they're on their way out in ministry. And he told them if they enter a house that is worthy, let their peace be upon it. And if they enter a house that is unworthy, let their peace remain with them. And if the city rejects their words, Jesus said, then shake the dust off your feet. This is a very cultural thing. When Jewish people would pass through Gentile territories, before they went back into a Jewish territory, they would shake the dust off their feet and say, you know, done with that city. So it's a very cultural thing. As a matter of fact, I remember just some time ago, um, a while ago now, uh, someone, one of the, what I like to classify as one of the cults, came and knocked on my door on a Saturday morning. And it is interesting how they always seem to come at really early hours. Have you ever noticed? And they come, good morning. And, uh, you know, you come to the door, and I come to the door, and, you know, I got bedhead. And uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, uh, you know. And uh, you come to the door, and you go, hey, hi, how are you? And, and you know, it's amazing how they always start off with this question. Would you like to go to heaven? And it's like, now, what kind of question is that? I mean, of course I want to go to heaven. Have you ever met anybody and you say, Do you, would you like to go to heaven? And they say, no, I want to go to hell. No, everybody says that. So that's just kind of to draw you in, okay? And you go, yeah, 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 I'm interested in heaven. Now, when they come to my door, whether it be Jehovah's Witnesses or, 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 or Mormons or anyone that comes to my door, um, you know what? I always, always treat them with love. Amen, saints? And I always invite them in for tea and crumpets. 
I always invite, hey, come on in. Hey, you know, I got some cookies. Would you like some tea? How about some coffee? I mean, would you like, you know, I never tell them I'm a pastor. You know, I just never, you know, I'm, I'm like secret agent pastor, you know. I never say I'm, so I'm like, would you like a little cream, a little sugar? What can I get you? And they just talking, and I listen for a while. And then you know what I always do? I always cut to the heart. Here's the heart. You know, we could talk about heaven all day long, and we can talk about all the nice things about you know, scripture and life and health and happiness. But the truth be told is where Christianity and, and any other world religion differs is in the person of Jesus Christ. So I usually cut to the chase and I go, hey, I'm, you know, glad to hear you. And, you know, can I warm up your tea? And, you know, and, you know, let's, let's cut to the chase. You know, it's, it really matters of what I think about Jesus and what you think about Jesus, because this is where we divide. And I began to talk to him about the Lord. And after a while, when they realize that they can't sway me, they can't change my, my understanding of the Bible, eventually I might tell them I'm a pastor, and then they're like, oh, we're out of here. You know, then they leave. I've actually looked out the window and seen them shaking the dust off their hands and feet. I've seen that. And they take it right out of this text. They just kind of go, you know, you know, shake dust off their feet. Because what? You're, and then they mark your house, by the way. And, so they, and they know not to come back. And they don't come back because they're done with that, because they realize that you can't be swayed. They realize that you're not interested and they don't want to waste their time with you. And so it is true culturally here. Jesus says when you go into a house and they don't receive you, then leave the area, shake the dust off your feet. Now, as the disciples would travel, understand this. In those days, they did not have the Holiday Inn. They didn't have La Quinta. So as the disciples would travel, they would go house to house. And Jesus is saying to them, as they travel, I want you to stay with people who are worthy or people who are believers or people who are committed to the word of God. You see, Jesus didn't want them to be identified with ungodly homes. And so he says, if you go into a home and this home is a home where God's peace abides and, and the people believe in the word and they're committed to the word, then you stay there. Let your peace be on that home. But if you go into a home and stay with someone as you're going out in ministry, keep the context, as you're going out in ministry and you, and you get into a home where they don't believe, where they're not committed to the word of God, they are not worthy, then you leave that home. And I'm sure that Jesus meant after you've shared the gospel with them and shared your faith with them and they don't want to receive God. There's plenty of people like that and plenty of homes like that. Then leave that area and shake the dust off of your feet. Now, notice this here. Notice in verse 15, very fascinating verse concerning that house, the house of the unbeliever or the house of the person who is not worthy. It would be, Jesus says, more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for that house. Now, this is fascinating. We all know what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah. And we don't need to discuss that story this morning. We all know how bad it was for Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says, for that city that rejects God's word, it will be worse for them. Now, Understand this here. Look these verses up in your own time. Maybe write this down. Look it up in your own time. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Luke chapter 12. 
as well as here in Matthew chapter 10, verse 15, all of these verses seem to indicate, and theologians pretty much across the board, seems to indicate that there will be degrees of punishment in hell. Degrees of punishment in hell. In Luke chapter 12, we have the parable of the faithful and the evil servant. One is beaten with many blows and one is beaten with fewer blows. You see, the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. So with knowledge comes responsibility. And the Bible is clear that God will judge people according to the knowledge that they have. That is why I tell people, that's why I warn you, when you come to church week after week, month after month, year after year, hearing the word of God, listening to the word, worshiping and raising your hands and listening to the Bible and and listening to God and hearing the word of God and you leave this place unaffected and unchanged, then you are putting yourself in danger, Will Robinson, danger. Because what you know, God is going to hold you, uh, listen, what you know, God is going to hold you accountable for the knowledge that you have. And some people, you know, well, you know, I was brought up in church. I was raised in church all my life. My mama and my papa and my granddaddy and great generation all were ministers of the gospel. Really? What about you? Do you know? Are you obeying the gospel? Are you obeying what you know? You you know what? God doesn't have any grandkids. You understand that, right? No one's going to get in heaven because your mom was saved or your pop was a Christian and he was a minister and an evangelist. Nobody's getting into heaven. Nobody's getting into heaven on, on, on their uncle, parents, family members' coattail. Everybody's got to come to Christ the same way through believing and trusting in him. And if you hear the word and you don't obey the word, God's going to hold you accountable to that which, which you know. Therefore, with knowledge comes responsibility. And yes, maybe you've been hearing. I know people that tell me their mom was singing to them and praying over them when she was, when they were in their mother's womb. The baby's in their, you're in your mom's stomach and your mom is praying over you and, and singing over you and praying that you would come to know the Lord all of your life. And then you were born and you went to church and all of your life you've been hearing about the gospel, but you've never really accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior for him to come into your life for you to be born again, for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and for God to use your life. You never made that commitment. Let me tell you, can I warn you, with knowledge comes responsibility. God's going to hold us all accountable to the light that we have. Well, what about the pygmies in Africa? Even those people always say, who are the pygmies in Africa anyway? And where are they? Anybody here a pygmy? Is there a pygmy in the house? I mean, you know, people do that all the time. You know what? It's it's smoking screens, man. That's just smoking screens. You know, what? how's God going to judge the pygmies in Africa? What about the pygmies in Africa? I'm like, what about them? Well, how's God going to judge them? And how God's going to, you know, they never heard the gospel. You know, that's just smoking screen. The reality is, 
is that the Bible says, first of all, in Psalm 19, it says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day they utter speech and night unto night they scream out knowledge. So even to the person who is in the deepest part of Africa or the pygmies in Africa, God has his way of reaching them and God will judge them based on the light and the knowledge that they have. That's God's responsibility, not yours. Now, oftentimes when people ask me about the pygmies in Africa, you know what? I I usually say to them, you know what? Don't worry about the pygmies in Africa. What about you? You live in Apex. But what about you? Forget about the pygmies in Africa. What about you? We live in a country where we've got more Bible teaching than we can handle. We got more Bible teaching than we can handle. People talk to us about television and about our church going on television. And, you know, quite honestly, that's not where we are right now. If God wants to do that, that's great, but that's not where we are right now. Quite honestly, I think there's plenty of preaching on TV, and, and that's, that's enough. Amen. Love the Lord. Love the Lord. Love Jesus. That's plenty. And we got so much. DVDs and CDs and VHS and tapes and radio and gospel programs and churches on every corner in many cities. We've got so much preaching in this country. And yet we are an ungodly country. You know what Billy Graham once said? That if God doesn't judge America, then he has to make an apology to Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's very true. That's very true. Because we are a godless country. We have in God, we trust on our money, but do we? I don't think so. And I believe God's going to hold us accountable for that which we know. Now, please don't leave here and think that I'm telling you that, that you know, there's different degrees of punishment in hell. That, that I'm telling you that, that hell won't be that bad. I'm not telling you that, okay? Because hell will be bad. <laughs> Say amen. You understand. All right. I don't want to confuse you. Because some people are like, oh, well, hell ain't going to be that bad. Well, I guess I'll just party up and go to hell, man. All my buddies in hell. All of my buddies, we're going to drink up at the bar in hell. Give me a drink. You know, go to hell. I mean, but, I mean, people. <laughs> I mean, Charles, help, man. <laughs> I meant people are going to. But no, that's not what I'm saying, because, you know, hell's going to be a bad, bad place. Amen. And the Bible says that in hell there's weeping and national. Oh, Rodney, this is not an uplifting sermon. I know. Rodney, you one of those hellfire and damn damn damnation preachers. <laughs> Let us pray, <laughs> Father. Yeah, I actually am. I actually am. I am one of those hellfire and damnation preachers. I really am because Jesus was. You know, Jesus preached more about hell than anybody in the Bible. Did you know that? Why? Because he's been there and he knows you don't want to go there. Hell wasn't created for you. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. But the Bible says that if you reject the light, if you reject the knowledge that you have been given and you don't make a personal commitment to Jesus Christ and you take your last breath here on earth, the Bible does teach, and I say this in love, every person 
hell awaits them. Jesus died. That's what this whole passion movie is all about. Jesus died so people wouldn't have to go to hell. I thank God that he died in my place. He died that I might live. And I don't have to go to hell. Neither do you. If you just pray, Lord, bow your heads and pray with me right now. Pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Repeat it after me. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Lord, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. And I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your spirit. And may I be born again. Spend my life in heaven with you. In Jesus' name. See, if you pray that prayer after me, you're born again right now. In heaven will be your home. It's as simple as that. No big deal. No big to do. Don't have to come down the aisle crying. And just receive him now. Amen. Would y'all clap your hands for the Lord, would you? Thank you, Lord. That's not that hard. People make a big deal out of it. Not hard at all. Just, Lord, forgive me. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch, in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.